0: to hear you sing a couple notes there brother. (laughs) Good job team. Thank you Ashley and everybody. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Again as uh, Pastor Elisha mentioned uh, earlier on, thank you so much for um, everybody who came last week for our meal and for the member meeting. Um, You really uh, stepped up and you stepped out as our theme for this year. You did a great job of that. Um, I don't know how many we had, maybe 700 for lunch. I don't know, something like that. I'm not exactly sure how many, but around 130, 40. Had a great group, and then there were 87 that were here for the member meeting. So thank you so much for coming. You really, really fulfilled what we're trying to do and bringing people together. It was a wonderful, wonderful day. So thank you so much uh, for that. Hey, now, so January's coming to a close. You have probably got that figured out by now, right? Yeah, it's getting close. 28 today, 29, 30, 31. And so how you doing on your goals, your aims, your desires, your commitments, all those sorts of things? They might be waning a little bit, but, you know, there's time to be able to regroup and get after them again, right? No reason to stop now. Matter of fact, the Lord might have even given you some new goals even this month. You know, as you're looking through, you're going through the week and you're saying, you know, Lord, you're talking to me about I need to do this. I need to make this a part of my life. Man, just keep listening to him. He'll show you what he wants to do and these new things he wants to bring into your life. So keep after that. Um, Got your one word? People keep texting me. They keep telling me their one words. Man, it is so much fun to get those. As you hear those and you think, that's a really good word, but I think I'll stick with my word more, okay? I like yours, but for me, more's working really good for me. 2020 more this year as we go forward. Matter of fact, it was fun to even as we had our uh, Pregnancy Center uh, guests, board members there last week, uh, Vance Crocker, who is here. I texted him on uh, Monday and thanked him for coming. Appreciated it so much. Told him what the offering was, about $570 he gave last week. Appreciate that so much. But he picked up on that. He said, hey, I really appreciate what you gave to us in the 2020 more. There's somebody who's picking up on it. He's growing. We'll do the same, Right. God is always moving us forward, we said last week. God is always moving us forward, therefore it'd be good to have 2020 forward this year, right? You remember that, don't you? Yeah. That was last week, right? Okay, 2020 forward, we don't do that. Kind of interesting, I was reading my Wycliffe Bible commentaries I like was studying this week, and it said kind of the, the title for chapter 1, verses 1 through 21 was this. Listen to this. Isn't this like God? chapter 1 verse 1 to 21 peter's readers urged to go forward by grace <laughs> okay lord they wrote that that commentary about a hundred years ago but they knew god knew we we're going to talk about go forward in 2020 forward this year love how god does that and you'll see that all oh, as you keep going in the lord so we're going to be in second peter chapter 1 if i can get my slides back up on the uh Back screen for me. Some of you didn't even know we had a back screen back there, did you? That's kind of how we keep things together, and it's really, 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 really helpful. So, 2 Peter chapter 1, and we'll read verses 1 through 4. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have attained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace. that is in the world because of sinful desire. Lord, this is your word. You've given it to us. It was good for the readers back then in Asia, Bithynia, Galatia, Cappadocia, but it's really good for the readers even today too, in Pueblo West, in Pueblo, even all over the world. So now just help us to understand it, to know it well. Thank you that you've given it to us for us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. all God's people said. Amen. And so what do you get when you get Jesus or Jesus gets you? What do you get when Jesus gets you or you get Jesus? You get his divine power. That's what it says right here. Only just reading what it says. His divine power has granted to us all things. Now, I remind you of this, that his divine power is a result of his grace. Result of his grace. God's riches at Christ's expense, and acrostic you've probably heard. Grace, undeserved favor, a blessing that comes our way, we didn't earn it. No way do we deserve it. And we certainly can say about his divine power, it comes by grace, because it's not anything that's resident in us. I think we can extrapolate from verse two that when he says, My grace May grace and peace be multiplied to you. I think we can see from there that God wants to multiply His grace in our lives in 2020 more. Or in 2024 word, right? He wants to multiply that grace in us. He doesn't want just to have just a little bit for us. He wants to multiply it exponentially. He wants it to grow and be a part of our lives. You see, we get His grace. It's been extended to us. But when we accept Christ as our Savior, we get this we get the, the multiplication of that grace in our lives as we move forward with Him. And I think this, I think that His divine power is resident in us through the Holy Spirit. His divine power is resident in us through the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's often called omnipotence, and Monty referred to that as he prayed uh, this morning. He talked about it, He's all-powerful, He's all-knowing, and He's ever-present. We understand that called omnipotence. Omni meaning all, potence meaning power, all power. He has all power for us and part of our lives. He's, and, and interesting questions, if you would like to go maybe to a seminary class or a Bible study class or maybe even in your Bible studies, interesting questions come up about his power. Like, like a question like this. Is God big enough to make a rock so large that he can't move? Carol says, no. Why, Carol? He has all power, right? He can do anything, okay? So can God make a rock so big that he can't move it? I think he can't do that because God is not the author of confusion. Why would he confound himself with that, right? Oh, I made a rock so big I can't move it. Hmm, what am I going to do about that? I, I don't think so. You might even heard this song years ago. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are his, the valleys are his, the rivers are his. Help me out, Alicia. It's work, too. <laughs> it's all written down back here, but I'm not reading it. Yet. My God is so big. So strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Now, I know the kids have been learning that song in um, uh, their, their priest, the, uh, the Sunday school time. They have a different kind of version of it, different, same words, but different, different uh, tune to it. Now, so, <clears throat> my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing he cannot do. It, it, there's nothing he cannot do. What do you think? Amen? Let me tell you five things he cannot do. Yeah, Judy's down here because she's taught this lesson through Child Evangelism Fellowship. All right, God cannot lie. True, right? He can't sin. Yeah, yeah. See, it's not true. God cannot do everything. Right? Uh, what else, Judy? He cannot. He cannot let you into heaven if you don't receive him as your Savior. He cannot forgive your sin if you don't ask Him to be forgiven of your sin. Let me look at him here. I have him written down here. He'll make it easy. He cannot let sin go unpunished. There will be a punishment for sin. So see, it, it's not true. The, the rest of the song's good, whatever the words are that I can't remember, right? It's true, but God cannot do everything. I've heard it said, God can do anything He wants. Yeah, he can, but it has to be in character with his nature. Because if it's not in character with his nature, he can't do it. He can only do those things that are in agreement with his nature. Therefore, he cannot sin. He cannot forgive you if you don't ask for forgiveness of your sin. He cannot forgive your sin and let you into heaven unless you have received Jesus Christ. But through his divine power resident in you and in me, through the Holy Spirit, we have everything we need God tells Peter to write this. We have everything we need to live a godly life. You are not missing anything that will help you to live a godly life. Or in the positive, you could put it this way. You have everything you need to help you live a godly life. If you know Jesus Christ, we have everything we need to live a godly life. He says that his divine power has granted to us All things that pertain to life and godliness. So, what are some of those all things that are there? Trying to kind of break it down just a little bit for you this morning. What are some of all things He's granted to us to pertain to life and godliness? Well, He's given us His Holy Spirit. Agreed? Yes, He's given us His Holy Spirit. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1. You have the Holy Spirit, the deposit guaranteeing your eternal life. He's a part of your life. Everybody has. The Holy Spirit as a believer in Jesus Christ. That's to help us live a godly life, right? A holy life. That is his name. The Holy Spirit. To help us live a godly or a holy life. We all have the word. You got it in your hand, got it on your phone, you got it seventeen Bibles at home, right? All the things that are there. We have it right here. He has given us this so that we could live a holy life, a godly life, all things pertaining to holiness and godliness. How about the family of God? Has he given us one another to help us follow Jesus Christ and to live like Jesus? Yes, of course he has. That's why we're a part of the body of Christ, the family of God. He has given us one another to help us live a godly life. What about his promises that are in the Bible? What about His commands that are in the Bible? What about new life? What about spiritual life? What about eternal life? What about abundant life? What about the inheritance that we have, that we're co-heirs with Jesus? All these things come together to help us live this life of godliness and holiness, that He has given us these things to be able to help us be able to live a life of godliness and holiness. Now, the next question I'd ask within that is simply this. So, what does a godly life look like? what does a godly life look like? You, you're going through your mind right now. You're thinking, okay, da da, da, da. Here's some things I think that it would, it would involve. First of all is that a godly life would involve that I would take time with God seeking to do that daily. If I want to live a godly life, I must spend time with God, right, to be able to do that. I think a godly life would have that as a part of its life. What else? Let's see, what did the guy write down up here? Um, I think obedience. Now, not perfect obedience because we know that we're going to fail, we're going to sin. We understand that. Even John says that in 1 John 2, right? If we sin, right, if we confess our sin. Okay, we're going to do that. But, but faithfully seeking to obey God. Would you agree with me that that's a good character of a godly life? I think so. I think so. I'm glad you're with me. Yeah. I try to make it easy for you here. Uh, how about growing in your prayer life? I'd say that's probably a part of a godly life, to, to keep growing, to keep maturing, however that comes about for you, and, and seeking Him and spending more time to be able to intercede for others and to, to praise Him and to confess and thanks and supplication and things that are part of the Acts prayer. Uh, telling others about Jesus. Think that's a part of a godly life? I think so. We're called to do that. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, right? We're called to be able to do that. Um, how about discipling others? Yeah, very definitely. 2 Timothy 2 2 Tim 2.2. 2, 2. The things that you've learned from me, pass on. Give them on to other people so that those people would pass them on to other people too. People that we have this opportunity to be around and to help them to grow, our family members, our friends, people that are around us. Uh, what about using our spiritual gifts? Oh, Yeah. I mean we all have spiritual gifts. When we come to Jesus Christ. He gives us spiritual enablements to be able to bring glory to him and help the body grow. We have all those things. He says we should use those to help people grow and to build the body up. That's a part of a godly life. What about participating in worship and study and being together with one another? No? Okay. All right. Of course it is. It's a part of what we do. That's why you're here today. That's why we're going to Sunday school in just a few more minutes. I want to encourage you, be a part of it. It's important. That's where you can be cared for, and you can also care for others. Take advantage of that. How about looking? Um, let's see, looking. Looking for Christ's return. Think that's a part of it? Yeah? Man, I heard that great song by Steve McWhorter this morning about the Lord Jesus Christ coming back you haven't heard that song, man, it is a powerful, powerful song. I read about him, just saw this week. Uh, um, he's a man who used to be a meth addict. And, and God just got a hold of his life. I mean, he just, just raises his voice about, Christ, it's time for you to come. It's, it's been long enough. Come. I think that's a part of a godly life. Looking forward to when Christ comes for us. Oh, well, and, and there's this guy named Jesus. He kind of wrapped it all up and two commands. You know, the 636 commands that the Pharisees had and everything else, you know, all those commands. And then through the Old Testament. But but Jesus kind of wrapped it up really good for us. Help me out. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what? And love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that pretty well does it, right? A godly life. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And For me, I'm thinking, that's kind of what it looks like. You could add more than that, but it wraps it all up. Jesus wraps it all up. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And these things that I've given you will be a part of your life. They'll be the things that will help you to grow and be a part of what God has for you. Now, if we have been granted his divine power, not just a little power, We're talking about His divine power, all power. If we have that, and He's given us all things that lead to a godly life, why do we offer up such lame excuses for not living a godly life? That's nice of the air conditioning thing to shut off right then. Why do we offer up such lame excuses for not living a godly life, such as the devil made me do it? I can't say no. She pushed me into it. I can't forgive. I can't stop pornography or cursing or my addictive behavior. I don't have time. I'll do what I want to do and then I'll ask for forgiveness. How about that, God? You know, told me to ask for forgiveness, but you know I'm just going to go ahead and do it anyway. Do you ever offer up any of those lame excuses? Yeah, probably all have at some point in our life, right? They're really lame considering that we have His divine power. We have everything we need for life and godliness to be able to live the life that He's called us to. And I think as we read through this passage, we see that as He's talking about these things we can live that life, we understand His divine power in life, as we understand the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence at the end of verse 3. I remind you that this theme of knowledge of God is resonant all the way through this book. Chapter 1, verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied you in the knowledge of God. Verse 3, as we just read, as we go through, through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory. In verse 8 of chapter 1, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 2.20, through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In 3.18, as He finishes the book with the bookends. He talks about, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. But there's other uses of the word know and knowledge in this book. In chapter 1, verse 16, in chapter 120, in 2.9, 2.21, and 3.17, 10 times in 61 verses, he talks about knowing God, knowing, knowledge, putting it into our lives. It's a theme that goes all the way through this book and as we have a knowledge of Him, as we grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ, we're going to understand His divine power, we're going to understand all the things that He's given to us for this life of godliness, and we'll want to bring honor and grace to Him. Now, I was trying to think, so how do we get this knowledge? I was thinking of these, these items. First of all, we look out and we see His creation. Do you agree with me? When we see his creation, we get the knowledge of who he is. That's Romans chapter 1. He talks about that. Everybody, when they look out, they got an understanding that there is a God and that he has created what he's put before us. Please understand this. God created it. It didn't happen any other way. There's all sorts of theories going on with that one, but God created it. Go back to the first verse in the Bible. In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. That's how it happened, how it put it together. How about this? We look into his word and we read his protective commands. We look into his word. We look out and see the creation, but then we look into his word and we see what he has given to us and what he has for us. We look inside and we listen to the guiding of the Holy Spirit. That's how we know about him. God, reveal yourself. As the Holy Spirit's in me, help me to understand who you are, this knowledge that you have for me. We look around and we participate with the Caring Church family. We grow together in the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we understand God better as we're together and we move together and be a part of all our lives. All these help us to know and to understand who God is and to see his power. As we understand his knowledge, as he reveals himself, he, he shares himself with us, we get to know who he is. But, but you remember this, knowledge is just not for knowledge's sake, right? For head knowledge, just we, we don't just want head knowledge, but this knowledge is to be applied, put into practice for, it says here, for his glory and his excellence, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. We have this knowledge of him Right? so that we can bring him glory, as we sang earlier today, holy, 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 give him glory, and to recognize his excellence among us. You see, when the Lord receives glory when he would practice right godly thinking that leads to right godly action. Now, I came across this this week. It's kind of a little bit of fun for you this morning. Let's give, go to the next slide, if we would. Said the horse, you can lead a human to knowledge, but you can't make it think. <laughs> hey, you don't know that you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink Okay, you can lead a human to knowledge but you can't make it think knowledge is all around us right but that doesn't mean we do anything with it we don't even think about it oh my goodness it's evident that God created the heavens and the earth yet there's people who say he didn't create the world it took him millions of years it didn't take him millions of years He's got divine power. He's capable of doing it in six days, my friend. He's capable of doing it in six days. Think. We have knowledge all around us. It's right there. But sometimes we don't do a good job of thinking and putting it into practice. Jim Weidman leads Heritage Builders. For you who have kids, and it's a great organization. It's worth looking up. They have uh, monthly projects, object lessons you can do with your kids to put it there. If you have grandkids, you could use these. But for Heritage Builders, great organization. I think it's out of Denver. It used to be out of Denver. But he said this, knowledge without application is only information, but knowledge with application is transformation. Our lives changed. Things moving in the right direction. If it's just knowledge, And we don't put it into practice. It's just information. It's just out there for us. We might not even be able to think about it, all right? It says the horse. But when we apply it, that's transformation. That's what happens in God's life when we take the knowledge of what he has for us and we put it into practice and we do what it says. Solomon might just call that wisdom. Thank you. (laughs) Somebody's right there, right? Solomon calls that Wisdom. Knowledge, taking knowledge, what's out around us, and then applying it as wisdom so that that we're skilled or experts in godly living. My definition of what a wise person is, somebody who's skilled and is an expert at godly living. They're pursuing it with the heart, soul, mind, and strength. James put it this way, don't merely listen to the word, do it, right? Don't merely think about it. It's good to think about it. Yes, it's right. Knowledge is good, but but now put it into practice because if you don't, you're just deceiving yourself. Like a man who looked at the mirror early this morning and said, well, I look pretty good when you didn't really look very good at all. <laughs> put it into practice. Do what it says. Be a wise person. And lastly, think about this. That's pretty good, wasn't it? Nice little transition right there. Lastly, think about this. He has called us, it says. He's called us to his own glory and excellence. We are chosen. We're called to honor him in in his excellence. God is not a shabby God. God is not a shabby God. He is all about the perfectly best he delivers. He doesn't have off days. (laughs) Oh man, today just hasn't been a good day. I got a headache today. I can't believe I forgot that. What are they going to do? I messed up. That's not God. That's not God. He doesn't have those days, like you and me. His <laughs> days are always filled with exactly what he wants to do. And you will never have to apologize for mediocre work. He's always perfectly on task wanting us to be as best we can that we would match His character in His actions. Why? For His glory, for His excellence. He's holy. His divine power will help us to live that holy life, that godly life, so that we can best match who He is and what He's done for us. Now, that's a little bit about his divine power. But he goes on in verse 4. He talks, us about, talks to us about his divine nature to help us live a godly life. He's granted us, it says in verse 4, by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises. Again, you recognize you probably saw in verse 1, the word granted is there. Do you see that? His divine power has granted to us. This is a theme, right? By which He has granted to us. The the word could be given or it's an extension of His grace. His grace gave us His divine power, but His grace also brings about His divine nature in us. We don't deserve His promises, right? We don't deserve them. We don't deserve Him fulfilling His promises. But He's given them to us And he will fulfill them, or he has fulfilled them, to display his lavish grace, Ephesians chapter 1, and his unfailing character. Think about that. He has given them to us. He's granted them to us through his grace. And he's fulfilled them, his promises, or he will fulfill them, display his lavish grace and his unfailing character. Now, it's interesting, this word promises, it communicates this. It communicates this sense of his promises are bold and they're public. They're out there for us. They don't communicate that they're kind of wimpy. You can't hear them. They're not seen. They're nowhere to be found. No, his promises are bold. They're public. And that's what this word communicates. Guess what? They're right here. They're bold, right? They're right here for us. They're public. All you got to do is read about them. They're right here. And are not like have to go, well, I wonder if he's got any promises in here. Oh, man, I haven't seen one for about 45 pages. I don't know what the deal is. Okay. Oh, my goodness. No, they're right here. They're public. They're bold. They're right there for us so that we know them and we know what his heart is and what he has for us. They're very precious, and they're great promises. They're not throwaways. They're not disposable. Do you have anything that's very precious to you? Thank you very much, Jace. You see, somebody's listening, right? Y'all got things that are precious to you. Might be um, your mother's china or grandmother's china. I know, guys, that probably isn't the top of your list. I realize that, right? (laughs) But to you ladies, that might be something that's very, very important to you. Or something maybe handmade that your grandmother made, and, and maybe you have it um, in a shadow box or something like that. Guys, uh, you know, maybe you have a car that belonged to somebody really, really important, like Henry Ford or something like that. And he did invent the car, I think, something like that, right? Uh, maybe you have like a, a maybe for Sarah, an, an instrument, and her instruments. Those are, those are precious. Uh, they're really important and they're valuable to, to take care of. Because they're, they're worth something, and the Spirit, as He speaks through Peter, tells us these promises that God has given to us are precious and very, very great. They are significant for us today. Now, what about what about if if the Bible? What if the Bible, your Bible, my Bible? very great and precious promises were so precious to us we just made time for it every day why because it's the most important thing we could have anything in our life it's that valuable for us may we make it that for us maybe just go through maybe and just start looking for all the promises that are there I was kind of wondering about that how many promises are in the bible well how about that you guys are really something I'll tell you now let me ha- understand how you get that. Um, some people have said there's thirty thousand promises in the Bible. We kind of find that might be just a little bit far fetched because there's only thirty one thousand verses in the Bible. <laughs> All right, so that probably didn't work. But a man, I'll give you his name here. I get it written down here. Everett Storms, many years ago, was a school teacher in Ontario, Canada, and he wanted to know how many promises are in the Bible. So for a year and a half, he did a study. He read his Bible 27 times in that year and a half, writing down all the promises, and he came up with how many? Well, you did it better the first time. I don't know what the deal is. Now, same thing, 8810. You're wondering if he came up with that. I know I you That's what he came up with, 8,810 promises in the Bible. Now, I don't know if that's perfectly accurate, but what, what it tells me is he did a lot of work. <laughs> He did a lot of work to come up with that. But also, it tells me, that's a lot of promises. That's a lot of promises. If there's 31,000, a few letters after that, uh, verses in the Bible, that's a lot of promises that are found in the Bible. Now, again, uh, we used to sing a song many years ago. A little gospel chorus went something like this. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line All His promises of of His love divine Every promise in the book is mine Yeah, what do you think? Every promise in the book is mine Nope, that's not true Let me give you an illustration God told Abraham he's going to have a son Was that for you? No, that's for Abraham It's a promise, yes, right? But it wasn't for me. Now, I do have a son, but God didn't make that promise to me. He made that promise to Abraham. What about Jesus when he's talking to Peter? We'll go to verse 13 and 15 in the first chapter. Peter refers back in those verses. He says, I'm getting ready to die. I'm giving you this information because Jesus told me I was going to die. That's, not, that's a little paraphrase. And he goes back, and that takes us back to John chapter 21. When Jesus says to him, "When you get old, people are going to take care of you," and John is tr- and, and Peter's processing all that, your memory looks at John and he says, "Well, what about him?" And Jesus says, "Hey, if I want him to remain alive until I come, what is that to you? You follow me." It's one of my memory verses this year. I'm kind of getting it down. That was practice. Okay. That was a promise for Peter. It wasn't a promise for me. He hadn't told me how I'm going to die. That was a promise for Peter. Not every promise in the Bible is for us. There are promises to Israel. Right? There are promises specifically to Israel. Now, I'm not trying to discredit the Bible. I'm just trying to say not every promise is ours. But many of them are. And may I encourage you, take your Bible. Go through those promises. Make them a part of your life. Because if he makes a promise, he will fulfill it. It will take place. And they are precious. And they are very great promises. Thou will keep him in perfect peace his mind is stayed on thee. Isaiah 26.3. That's a good promise for us. He will keep you in perfect peace if your trust is in him. That's a promise that we can take. Now, these promises are related to a saving... There are many promises here in Scripture that are related to a saving relationship with the Father in heaven. And, and through that relationship, when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, He gives us His divine nature, who He is, a part of our life, so that we can live a godly life. John chapter 1, verse 12, "...but as many as received Him to them..." Who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Is that a promise for us? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we've received him, if we've believed in him, We will become a part of His family. We'll be a child. We'll be the part of the family of God. That's a promise that we come. And in that, when we come to know Him, He gives us His divine nature, who He is, a part of who He is, to be able to understand how to live a godly life. He gives us His holiness. Why? So we can live a holy life. We have it resident within us. Think about this. Once we have become partakers of the divine nature through salvation, we will have escaped from the corruption that is in the world, as it says in verse 4 here. Think about this. When Christ saves us, he takes our feet out of the miry clay and he places them on the rock of Christ. Out of the sin that we're in, he takes our feet out of that miry clay and he places us on the rock of Christ. We pass from death to life. John chapter 5, verse 24. We pass from death to life. We're no longer a slave to sin, but a servant of the Savior. We will not be judged for our sin because Christ took the judgment for our sin on himself on the cross. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't have to pay for our sin. We're not going to suffer for our sin if we've come to know Jesus Christ. There's no condemnation that is left for us because Jesus took our condemnation. He goes on in verse 2 of that where Paul says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You're not bound under it anymore. That's a promise for all of us that have accepted Christ as our Savior. And I think that's a little bit of the sense we've escaped from the corruption that is in this world. But I think it also, we can take that phrase and we can also apply it to us today. That when we come to know Jesus Christ and we seek to live How he wants us to live, we can escape from the corruption that is in the world because of our sinful desire. We can have victory over what is around us. His holy nature is our holy nature. We have his divine nature. He is holy. We have his divine nature, therefore, we are holy. His resurrection power is our resisting power. We can say no to sin. It's not easy, but we can say no to sin. Either a person becomes freed, further freed from sin or he becomes further enslaved to sin. And we sing, holy, holy, holy. We have that nature. He's given us His holiness. That's a part of His divine nature to us. I don't have all the verses up there. I couldn't quite get them on the uh, screen there. <laughs> but, but let me just read them to you. I'm going to turn over here to Galatians. This, this is so, so good. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. I'm just going to kind of read these. For you are called to freedom, brothers, sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. 1 Peter 2 talks about that too. He says the same thing. You've you've received freedom, but don't use that freedom to sin. Okay? But use it as an opportunity to, to love and to serve one another. But I say to you, in verse 16, he goes on. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit. You have the Spirit. He's a part of your life. He's the divine power. He's the nature, part of His nature. I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. There's a war going on. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. We all understand that war. We all understand that. The flesh is warring against the spirit. We want the spirit to win. So we have him. We have his divine power. We have his nature. We listen to him. He goes on to say, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Okay, spirit, we're going. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, this is good. Do we have the Spirit? Then do what? Keep in step with Him. Keep in step with Him, right? Don't go back this way to the flesh. You've crucified the flesh. Now, we all know this. We we all struggle with sin. We understand that. But let's keep in step with Him. We have the Spirit. Keep in step with Him. Hold His hand. Come on, Lord, let's go. We're going. Maybe he'd go. Hey, Scott, come on, let's go. <laughs> Follow me. Stick with me. Stick with me. We have the ability to be able to do that. Why? Because we have his divine power and his divine nature as a part of us. We have the Holy Spirit and to grow with him and to seek him and pursue him. Let me wrap it up. All things, all this happens going forward. I'm going back to the theme, 2020 forward. All this happens, what he's given to us in verses 3 through 4, happens in the knowledge of Christ. And what is the primary way we understand and know the knowledge of Christ? The Word. It's the primary way. Other ways, this is the primary way that we have and gain the knowledge of Christ. And you know where I'm going now. Did you read Second Peter this week? How many read Second Peter this week? Look at that! Woo! It's getting good now. That's about half. We're almost there. <laughs> good job. Woo! Yes. Woohoo! I love it. Did you tell that excites me? <laughs> I know you read other places too, probably. I understand that. But this is where we're going to get the knowledge of Christ. The primary way we're going to get the knowledge of Christ is right here. That's why we need to be in it every day. Yes, you have time. You have time, right? Shake your head, yes. You got time for other things too, right? Matter of fact, you might have even prayed for your breakfast this morning. Some people didn't, but you might have. <laughs> Somebody need to text me this morning and say, pray for your breakfast. Listen, you can text me, and five minutes later I eat and I forget. Okay, I'm sorry. Some of you guess I'm having a hard time remembering to pray for my lunch and breakfast and dinner, okay? I mean, I pray every morning, a long time. But I just can't remember to pray for my meal. Dear Lord, thank you for my lunch that I'm going to have. <laughs> I'm just trying to get it in now, right? And we all know. We all know the struggle. Whatever it is for you, we all know that struggle, right? But put yourself here. Put yourself here. Read Second Peter. Join me. Join the others. Family of God. Just a couple quotes that I came across this week. God's word is for our correction, protection, and direction. That's good. You got the chun on the end of it. Yeah, I like That's what pastors do. We try to make them, you know, the mnemonic, help you to remember what they are, right? Okay? Protection, correction, protection, and direction. It is inconsistent not to have time for Christ and to wish to spend eternity with Him. Man, when I read that one, I'm thinking, whoa, yeah. You see, because you other thing about this, you know, I kind of talk about sometimes in funerals and memorial service, you get to this. Say, Listen, if you don't want Christ on the earth, why would you want to go to heaven and be with Christ in heaven? I know that's pretty blunt, but it's just really true. You're not interested in Jesus Christ on the earth. Why would you want to be Him with Him in heaven? You you probably don't want to, because He isn't part of your life. I, I hope they would, but the same thing is there. If if we don't have time for Him now, why 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 would we want to go to heaven and be a part of what He has for us, right? And then this is a really good one. Uh, let me read this to you. This was in Baptist Press yesterday. Uh, this is from a, a a pastor. He works with young adults. And he, this, listen, this is so good. Recently, our young adults spent their winter retreat focusing on reading the Bible together aloud. No special speaker, no DVD teaching. They simply gathered and read as much of the New Testament as possible over the weekend. Can you imagine going to retreat and just reading the Bible? I mean, who's ever thought of that idea, right? <laughs> they just read the Bible out loud with one another. They read all the way through 1 Corinthians, completing 149 chapters. They have 111 chapters to go to finish the Bible. Good for them, he said, for Bible engagement makes a difference in our lives. Bible engagement makes a difference in our lives. As I was looking up the words to Holy, Holy, Holy this morning, I saw a book just right next to where the hymnal is. And it said this, plugged in to the dynamic word. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I haven't seen that book in who knows how long, right? Plugged in to the dynamic word. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. That we would be plugged in to the dynamic, life-changing word of God. So, join me in 2 Peter this week. 61 verses, 7-8 minutes. Listen to it. However, you can get it into your heart, and the other places you read, found it interesting this morning. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. To hmm. you read your uh, little daily bread today, huh, not yet, huh? <laughs> um, this is this is its title: God's Gift of Grace okay, Lord, I get it. (laughs) We're going to be talking about growing in the knowledge of grace, growing in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ today. And it's right here for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that. Father in heaven, that's a lot, two verses, because, man, it's powerful. There's a lot there, They say in seminary, it's pregnant with meaning. (laughs) It is. There's so much there. Father, you want us to grow in your grace and in your knowledge. And the way that's going to come the most to us is by being in your word. Help us to get into your word, to make it part of our life every day. And you're going to show us things that we've just never seen before. They're there, but we've never seen them before because they're new. And you're you're showing us these new things. You're you're multiplying your grace to us. And we thank you for that. You're always moving us forward. I pray today there would be those that make a commitment to read 2 Peter. It'd be their January 28th resolution. Or read somewhere in the Bible. Get their Bible out and really grow in it and learn from you and get to know you. Get to know your divine power and your divine nature that will help us to live a godly life. Thanks for helping us. We don't do this alone. We have the Holy Spirit right here of your nature to help us and you're speaking to us. It's going to be exciting what you're going to do. Thank you. I do good work in Sunday school. I pray that others would join with us that haven't been there yet. Thank you for our teachers that prepare the Word of God and the care that takes place and the care that we get to extend to one another and the growth that we take. Thank you for each one.